So chapter 5 of Galatians and verse 13 says in the NIV, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. I'm going to be focusing on this next section. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity (coughs) and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So it's a, a wonderful passage and, don't know about you, quite complex. There's a lot going on in that passage. And it's really important because how we understand this passage has a huge um, has huge implications upon our day-to-day life and how we live and our expectations of life and, and what we can believe um, God for. I want to start with some stuff about the reality that we are new creations because it says in chapter 6 and verse 15 what counts is the new creation. I want to start by us understanding that something phenomenal happened to us when we came to Jesus. Something incredible happened to us and in us when we came to Jesus. And if we don't understand the phenomenal reality of what happened to us when we came to Christ, then we'll only see that passage as a battle to not do some things and as a battle to try and do some things. So we need to understand that something incredible and supernatural happened when we became a believer. And whatever happens to us in our life, nothing will surpass the supernatural implications of what happened when we came to Christ. We can be healed, we can have loads of breakthroughs and lots of things. The greatest supernatural thing that happened to us, happened to us in the moment we became new Mm. creations. Um, the, the Bible, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but they, they, people who know these things say that the New Testament has two words for the word new. It's not just one word. And one way we can understand one of the ways of new is this, I have got a new car. Yeah, I, If I said to you, I've got a new pair of trainers or I've got a new car you would know that's new, it's new like you've seen before. You know what a car is. You probably don't need to ask me what make or model it is. You'll have an image in your head. It's got four wheels, a steering wheel, some seats and some doors. It's new. It's, it's a new car. 
But the New Testament, when it talks about us as being new creations, is saying new, but like never, ever, ever seen before. Not new, like I've got a new car, I know what that is. But new, like this has never been on the planet before. One person says it's like saying, I've got a new car, or I've got the SS Enterprise, or the Millennium Falcon. You know, if you don't know movies or Star Wars, you think, what are those? It's a spacecraft. Mm. Never seen that before. So, when a person becomes a follower of Christ, they become a new creation. And we have to understand that passage from the context, when we look at later on, that you've died, the old is gone, the new has come. Being crucified with Christ, I no longer live. The, the Bible addresses people and says, to the saints, not to the sinners of Ephesus, to the saints, mm. holy ones, new like never seen before. There's never been a people on the planet like the new creation believer. It's phenomenal. want to pause there I want us to I, I, I got I remember becoming a believer when I was 18 years old listening to Yonggi Cho a preacher from Korea I think talking about if you want a red bike ask God for a red bike be specific I get baptised in the Holy Spirit I'm born again I'm not alone. You're real. I thought that life ended when I died and I'm terrified of death. And now I've been born again. There's this Jesus who I didn't even know has just met with me by his spirit. And I've become this new person. And I didn't even invite you in. <laughs> A little bit like when Cornelius, is it in Acts 9, invites Peter, and Peter's talking, the Holy Spirit comes, he gets born again, starts to speak in tongues. Heaven came to earth, and he went from one kingdom to another kingdom yeah. in an instant, from one realm into another <coughs> realm, in an instant, from being in darkness and dead and an enemy and in, in enmity mm. and against God to being a son in a moment. And that's what happens in the new birth. It's a work of God. New creation. Sometimes there can be a mistranslation, in my opinion, look into these things yourself, of the word flesh. You <coughs> have it. Some translation says, your sinful nature. And that can cause confusion for people. Because people can think, I've been born again of the Spirit, so I've got this brand new heart of <coughs> flesh that wants to please God, but I've also got a sinful nature. So some translations say, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful 
nature. That's another confusion that we can have. That I'm this believer. I've gone from death to life, from darkness to light, and the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. And I'm in this new kingdom, but I've got these two natures living in me. That's, in my opinion, a confusion. I've got the sinful nature, and I've got the resurrected spirit nature. Some people interpret this verse as that. But I've got these two natures warring inside of me. My sinful nature and my new creation nature. I want, to pull, I, I, I want to pull that apart. Invite you to read that for yourself so you're fully persuaded for yourself. I don't believe that the new cre- creature in Christ has two conflicting natures within them. I don't believe that they've still got their old sinful nature and their new spirit nature at the same time. Because if... We believe that, we believe that the role of the believer is to try and fix up the old nature. Hmm. We believe we're in a war to try and fix ourselves. Some people put it like this, and you can find it on the internet. They say, the believer has two dogs living inside them. The sinful nature dog and the new creation dog. And the one that wins the war is the one that you feed. They'll say, if you want to not be um, drawn to the things of the flesh and that list, then don't feed the sinful nature dog. Make sure you feed just the new creation dog. Don't believe that we've got two dogs living inside of us. That we've been crucified with Christ and no longer live. Believe that the old has gone and the new has come. Mm-hmm. Believe that Romans 6 clearly says, consider yourself, count yourself, reckon yourself, think like this, you are dead to sin. Yes. He doesn't say, consider this, make sure you don't feed the old dog of your old life. <laughs> and someone will say, ah, but Jamie, you're not quoting Romans 7, where Paul says, I don't do what I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do. <clears throat> My conviction is this, is that Romans 7, Paul is not talking about his current state in Christ. He's talking about the limitations of the law and what the law can do. He says, I know that the law is good, but when I tried to do the law and keep the rules by my own willpower and stoical effort, I found that there was another work within me. And he says, thanks be to God (laughs) that Jesus came. And now there's no condemnation. Because Christ did in the flesh for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Yes. So our, our joyful task is to believe the good news. Our joyful task is to say, I count myself, I reckon myself dead to sin and alive to God. But you might be looking at that verse and saying, ah, but there's a struggle here. Clearly, there's something going on here. Clearly that when a person moves from one kingdom to another kingdom, Paul is outlining there's still some form of struggle. So he, so he says, I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do whatever you want so that you do not do whatever you want but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law so what's what's that saying then clearly 
the moment we get born again and become a believer <coughs> and there's a work of the Spirit, remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Don't settle for anything less than, am I born again? Has heaven invaded my heart? Am I a new creature? Don't settle for religion. Sets of rules and duty. Only settle for the real thing. But clearly, when a person has been born again, there, there is still here a conflict, a struggle. See, before we become a Christian, it says we were born in Adam. And Romans 5 says that every person on planet Earth was born into Adam. And that every person, apart from Adam and Jesus Christ, had a sinful nature. Jesus didn't have a sinful nature. Why? Because he was born of the Father, born of the Spirit. He's the eternal begotten God. (laughs) He is God incarnate. He is God incarnate. Chili con carne, which is chili in flesh. Doesn't sound so appetizing when you say that. Chili in flesh. Jesus is God incarnate. God in flesh. Fully God, fully man, but without a sinful nature. But every single person born on planet Earth was born in Adam, which means that every single person on planet Earth has a bias towards towards sin, sin and doing things their way. Doesn't mean there isn't common grace, doesn't mean there aren't believers who are incredibly generous, incredibly kind, incredibly good. What we'll look at next week is there is no one on planet Earth who's bearing all the fruit of the Spirit outside of the Holy Spirit. They just have traits that are incredibly good. But everybody was born into Adam, which means that everybody was born with a sinful nature, a bias to independence and satisfying their own needs, their worth. Everybody. And that sinful nature was in this body, this physical body. And the sinful nature were both in in agreement. I do what I want, when I want, my independence, I satisfy my desires and my longings, whether in attitudes, actions, or or actions and attitudes. And they're both in agreement. When I get born again, when you get born again, that, that reality of a sinful nature is crucified with Christ. It was somehow crucified with Christ that found already, but it becomes an active living reality in the moment we get the gift of faith. Now I've got a brand new nature in my old body. And it was like this in the past. Sin, I was like a puppet under sin. And I just expressed it. Sin said, look at this. Oh, that's nice. That's independence. That's satisfying. That's meeting my needs. Sin would say, touch this, do this, speak this, think this. I'm like a puppet under sin. Now in Christ, in the new birth, the new nature is, is the, I'm under the new nature. I'm over sin. Sin is not over me. Yes. So if you think of that puppet, the body just expressing in complete unity with the sinful nature. Now the strings are cut, there's a new, as it were, puppet. The goodness of God, the new nature, the new creation. And now I've got that new nature in my old body. And now I get to choose. It doesn't mean that sin is extinct. It now means, as a new creation, I get to choose. I get to choose. And I think the struggle, then... Is this? It's it's 
It's between... Our, Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That whilst the body can, like if we're, if we're hungry and it can have impulses and desires, a, a huge amount of where the battle is, is in our thinking, in our beliefs and in our conclusions. So the struggle mostly is around what I think, what I believe and what I put my confidence in. My old mindsets, my old beliefs and the new things I get to consider in Christ. And let me say, if you're struggling with anything, that's a good sign. Because we never used to struggle with anything, did we? We just used to, sin says this, sin says that, ah, sin says say that, ah, sin says gossip's fun, woo, dude. (laughs) Yeah? And suddenly we think, no, actually, gossip isn't good. Oh, Oh, that... I've got to struggle now. I want to renew my mind and change the way I think about that. (laughs) And so what's incompatible and conflicting is to habitually act or habitually think like we're used to. It's practicing thoughts that lack trust in God's grace and goodness. It's a desire to have things over God. It's trying to fill emptiness with independence. It's both actions and attitudes. That list of the things that we can do through the body is a list of both actions and attitudes. Because sometimes people can think, oh, I don't do any of those actions. I'm not involved in any of those actions. I don't do any of those things. But hey, it also talks about attitudes. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. is the attitudes of the heart too. And so there's a promise here. So I say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Here's the great promise. that It's not a command, don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't express sin through the body. It's more of, if you do this, you won't do that. Yeah. In other words, if I'm walking by the spirit... I can't walk by the Spirit and at the same time walk by the flesh. I can't walk along the path of the Spirit and at the same time be walking along the path of the flesh. He's saying, I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then we think, what on earth is walking by the Spirit? Because I don't know about you, I want to get practical here. I want to know what I need to do tomorrow to walk by the Spirit. I want to know how am I going to walk in ways that are not incompatible and conflicting with this new creation reality? How do I get rid of old mindsets? How do I get rid of old beliefs? How do I walk in trusting him and not emptiness and independence? Another translation says you do it through fully and freely yielding to the Holy Spirit. So let's look at three areas that we can practically do that are going to cause us to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That are going to cause us to renew our minds and be transformed through the renewing of our minds. Ways that are going to be consistent with who we already are. The first one is this. The Word of God leading not old beliefs. The Word of God leading and not old beliefs. That yielding fully and freely means... 
I'm going to trust what you say over everything. Emotions, this is, this is, I think, is the crux of the battle. Emotions do not prove that something is true. They only give you an insight into what you truly believe. This is the, for me, this is the absolute where the, the real wrestle and battle is. So many of us say, I want to be led by the Spirit, but really we're led by our emotions. We're led by what we feel. <coughs> we feel we need something to be satisfied. We feel we need to be seen in a certain way to become worthy and accepted. Our emotions are telling us something. Holy Spirit wants to lead you and me into all truth. And that's the, through, through his word, through the word, through the Bible, through the truths in the, in the Bible. This is not an invitation to go nasal gazing to discover where your wrestling and struggling is, okay? It's not an invitation to go introspective and beat yourself up and, and look into your heart and to discover what your motives are and where the conflicts are. This is an invitation to trust Holy Spirit to lead you and not to trust your emotions to lead you. Process everything through the word of God. Everything. Everything you feel, every conclusion you come to, every perspective you have on God, yourself, other people and your circumstances. Process it all through. Does this line up with the character, the nature, the faithfulness, the goodness, the kindness the personality of God. And if it doesn't, then dump it and don't listen to it. Mm. However much your emotions scream out, this is true, this has always been true. I'm always rejected. No, that's a conclusion you've come to from experience, but that is not true. You are now accepted in the beloved. You are a son and daughter of the king. You carry gifts of callings, destiny and anointed. You are terrifying to the enemy. You are fearfully and wonderfully yes. made. So you've processed everything through the word. Challenge your past experience. Challenge your present circumstances. And challenge your current emotions with what does God say about it. The Passion Translation just says, when we yield fully and freely to the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit and we yield fully and freely through the decision, I choose to trust. I choose to trust you. The second one, that's believe what God says. And I would say whatever you find Holy Spirit wants to challenge you on, go get a concordance, go through the Bible, get verse after verse after verse after verse and speak it over your life until, until faith is ignited by hearing, until you begin to really believe it. And how will you know when you really believe it? You will believe it in the face of contradictory circumstances and even contradictory emotions. You say, no, I choose to believe it. Even when everything around me says this is not true, I choose to believe God. And then you'll build new strongholds of hope, joy and peace. 
The next one, invest your energy and your time in walking deeply with other people. Yes. Value and love community. Because authentic relationships are a beautiful provision and a safeguard from God. Sometimes we can miss an encounter with the (coughs) Holy Spirit because we only look for something that looks mystical and an experience. And we can miss an encounter with God when somebody speaks to us wisdom and insight and experience and practical knowledge. That can be an encounter with God. So walking by the Spirit (coughs) is walking deeply in community, walking deeply with other people. Proverbs 27 says this. Proverbs 27 verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Hmm. You don't want people just in your life who say, well, you're brilliant, and you're amazing, and you're wonderful, and you just need to know that. You need sometimes, and I need, the slap of a friend. (laughs) You need somebody around you who knows you enough to say, that's not true. You're wrong. That's your old way of thinking. That's not consistent with the Bible. We need a slap of a friend who will tell us. So invite correction, invite feedback into your life. Some people say, I can only get feedback from Jesus. (laughs) Well, actually, read the Bible. One guy got feedback from a donkey. (laughs) (laughs) One guy, David, got feedback from a madman. It's a big range there. (laughs) (coughs) Yes. Invite correction, invite feedback. One of our challenges we're doing actually is thinking I want six people in my life who know me enough, who, who, who just, you, you really respect the, their slap <laughs> and, they, and they're free to bring it and bring feedback. You want people in your life that the church is, is, a, is a provision of heaven for walking by the Spirit. The church, being in community, is a provision from God. Being in a small group, being here on a Sunday, is a provision. Some people say, but it's all is well with my soul. That's great. But you, you may have huge areas of blindness and deception that you have no idea about, and other people can see, but because no one knows you and no one's allowed in, you never receive the slap of a friend. Paul had to be knocked off a donkey. Sometimes we need to be knocked off a donkey. Give time to being in God's presence. Give time to worship and prayer. Holy Spirit shows us where we don't see things his way. Where we don't think like he does. It's like the first one and the second one. He shows us where we don't 
think like he does, where we don't see things like he sees them. To walk by the Spirit is to say, I see that, I agree with that, that is going to change. I agree with you, I, I can see some truth in it. I, now my, I'm, my sometimes we ca- our spirit catches it before our head does. You know, when we receive the slap of a friend, we're reading the Bible and it, it comes alive in a particular area and we think, do you know what, I was blind to that before, but now I'm beginning, I think my spirit is seeing something my head hasn't seen. Don't, re- I, I would just prize his voice and, and journal it, write about it. Don't just rush on. You, I think you're speaking to me right now, but I don't fully see it. But I want to adjust to you and I want to agree with you. I want to change in this area. So walking by the, by the Spirit is being in the Bible, letting the Bible speak to you. It's not about how much you read. It's about the eyes that you, you know, you can read big chunks for overview. But be alert to his voice speaking to you, alerting mm. you to, to something, jumping out of the yes. page. And, and, and don't move on from that. <coughs> Write it down somewhere so you can think about it. Walk deeply with other people. Give time to be in God's presence. Give time to be changed by just being with him. Mm. <coughs> so th- I've been listening to a song where it just says, All I did was bow down. All I did was praise. And then it goes on about, you, you brought back the head of my enemy. And you called it my victory. But all I did was bow down. All I did was praise. There's something about I'm in your presence. We go from glory to glory by seeing. We go from glory to glory by beholding. We, we, there's something happens in, the, in, the, in his presence where it's spirit to spirit you're dealing with me, you're moving on me you're touching my life I, I don't fully understand all that you're doing but I'm with you and I'm seeing your face and you're loving on me and you're changing me you're transforming me you're meeting me in this place worship is such a powerful thing yeah. Yeah. such a powerful yeah. thing Amen. just to come and say I'm just going to sing to you Amen. I'm just going to worship you. I'm just going to delight in you. I'm going to spend an hour with you. And I'm not going to, let's say, pray about anything. I've, I've personally changed a lot of what I do with God. I, I personally haven't been praying that much. <laughs> been worshipping more. Just, just loving him and being with him. Because I found I was in this loop. Of all I could think about was what I haven't got, or what I'm not seeing, or what's in the future, of how am I going to get the breakthrough, and how am I going to change, and how am I going to cooperate with you. And, and in worship, all that goes away because it's just you and me, and I love you. And he changes your heart in his presence. John Wimber says that, he says, Jesus came to him and said, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? He says, I didn't understand what Jesus meant, so I went back to work. <coughs> Jesus came back to him five years later and said, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? I think I need a lot. He says, I then changed my practice to, I prayed less and I was quiet in front of him. And he says, Holy Spirit started to give me desires for things I didn't previously have. 
Yes. I started to love in a way I hadn't loved before. I started to have joy like I'd never had before. And he discovered that God never asked us to do something for him. He discovered that God wanted to do something in him and then through him. And that everything, surprisingly enough, is like Jesus says in John 15, abide in me. Apart from me, you can't bear any fruit, so abide in me. How much effort does an apple tree honestly make to bear apple trees? How many of you have gone in a field and seen a grunting apple tree? Hey, apple tree. Hi, Jamie. (laughs) What are you doing, apple tree? I'm bearing fruit. Great. It looks hard work. You bet it's hard work. It's determination and uh, a Well done, apple tree. Keep going. When do you think you'll have enough apples to feed us? At this rate, 2013. Great. I'll come back with some uh, pastry then, okay? Yeah, no, a seed goes in the ground, it, it just goes in the <coughs> ground and the soil and the sun and the nutrients, it puts its roots down and it, it just, wow, 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 so, so the fruit of the spirit are not a work then, who would have thought it, <laughs> who would have thought it that we're not meant to put on our uh, to-do list or our dream list, I'm going to be more patient, going to be more patient, going to be more patient, going to be more patient. I will. Actually, I need to rest and be refreshed and be in the presence of God. Mm. We'll look at the fruit of the Spirit next week. So building new beliefs can be a journey. It can be a process. That's why Paul calls them the fruit, because they grow gradually. It can be a process of seeing what the Bible calls a stronghold pulled down. A stronghold was not built in a day. It was built brick by brick, fort by fort, by fort by fort over many years. Quite often strongholds don't come down the moment we realise we've got them. They come down trust by trust, yielding by yielding, submission by submission. And we need to be aware of that because as we get frustrated and think, I'm not changing very quickly in this area. Well, some change doesn't come quickly and some change comes very quickly. Some thoughts, actions and habits don't go easily. And some of them are really defended by emotions that scream out and say, if you touch me, you are not safe. You are not secure. So carry on your anxiety. Carry on your worry. Carry on your fear. Because if you fear, at least you're in control... At least you're anticipating the worst possible scenario and you're ready with your bunker and your beans. <laughs> but oh, if you, don't tr- if you trust him, what if he lets you down? Hey, what if he lets you down? What if he isn't faithful? What if this Jesus is a trickster, a deceiver? He'll let you down, he'll draw you to a place of trust and then he'll pull the rug from under your feet. You are better to trust in fear, anxiety and worry because at least you know where you are with us. <laughs> so they don't always go easily because there's emotions connected to them but when you say I don't care how long this takes I don't care how long and painful this is 
I'm choosing to yield freely and fully to him and I'm choosing to trust him because his Bible says, his word says, he's faithful. Mm. Yes. He says he can't let me down. Yeah. Nothing can separate me from his love. Yes. I've been brought home. God is my father, <laughs> his Abba, his Papa. He'll never let me go. He'll never let me down. He'll always provide. He's provided in the past. He'll provide in the future. He makes a way where there is no way. Mm. Oh, but what if you reach the Red Sea and the Egyptians are behind you? He'll make a way where there isn't a way. Mm. What about if you're thirsty in the desert and there's no water? He'll bring water out of a rock. (laughs) What about if you go into the promised land? There's giants and scary fortresses. Well, they'll be our bread. I'm learning to get the Caleb spirit. They'll be our bread. We can surely do it. God's with us. And so they are defended by emotion. So when we get near them and we say, I'm, I'm pulling this down. I'm not going to co-labor with this. I'm not going to walk with this anymore. This has got to go. I'm agreeing with God. That's not how he thinks. That's not how I will think. Don't be surprised if there's a little skirmish around it. Just because it's a promise doesn't mean it's just not going to come with a bit of a battle. Be strong, be courageous. God is with you. Make that decision. These strongholds won't just surrender. Fear won't just surrender. Worry won't just surrender. Anxiety won't just surrender one day and say, I'm going. You've got to take them captive. You've got to take them captive. You've got to grab them under your arm, get the sword off, and say, I don't care how many times I'm going to lop at you, your head's coming off. I'm parading you through the streets with a chain in your nose because I am not going to be subject to you anymore. I'm taking you captive. That's what um, 2 Corinthians talks about, 10. <laughs> Keep coming back to that original decision. Celebrate yes. progress. Yes. Don't celebrate perfection, celebrate progress. I don't get as angry as quickly as I used to and it doesn't stay so long like Wendy and Steve Backlund says our lows are lower and our highs are getting higher and we don't stay low for as long as we used to and finally you might be thinking it all looks too hard and remember we're not called to live it ourselves we're called to live it yielding fully and freely to the person and the work of the Holy Mm. Spirit The Christian life is not like Formula One racing, where you have the pace car, Jesus, racing right out ahead. And we're in our little cars thinking, we're just trying to do the best I possibly can to keep up with you, Jesus, and keep up with where you're going. And the corners are terrifying me, and I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to try my best. No, Christianity is more like this, big, powerful, locomotive, Holy Spirit. Huge engine, glistening, the great bullet train of Japan. And he says, connect to me. And I'll race you along these tracks. And when you're with me, there's no need for the law, because we're going to fulfill the law together. We're going to do all these things of loving and kindness. We're going to do it. And I'm going to pull you where we're going. And I'm going to transform you on the journey. (coughs) And you're going to have fruit popping out everywhere of joy and love and peace and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. When you connect to me, the Christian life was never about behavior modification and willpower. It was never about, I'm going to change myself. 
It was never about that. If it could have been about that, then Jesus died for absolutely nothing. Amen. If people could just change their self through willpower, why on earth did Jesus come in the flesh? Why on earth did Jesus live the perfect holy life? Why on earth did he go into Gethsemane and say, if there's another way, Father, but, but I'll drink this cup, I'll go to the cross, I'll die for them, as them, and then I'll rise again. Why on earth would he do all of that if we could have just got a little more willpower and done it all without him? This makes ridicules the cross and it ridicules the blood of Christ to believe that we can change ourselves by trying harder. We can't. Willpower is based on pride. Yeah. Willpower is based on the need to be in control. Self-control is a gift of the Spirit. So you're going to invite us to stand. Mm. Just believe, just to, just to say to you, that the gospel brings hope for transformation yeah. over everything. Over everything. And right now, God, in your presence, we decide to lay down our own wrestling, struggling, battling willpower to change ourselves. We lay down the idea that I've just got to try and suppress this desire that's within me. And we embrace the truth that Holy Spirit, you are the one who puts us on this track and then bolts us like a thunderbolt down the track. And we just love to be in your presence. We love to be in your presence. Let's just, even right now, just begin to love him. Just begin to love him. Begin to rejoice in him. Begin to thank him for who he is.